All right, good morning. Good to be with you today. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to basically just continue that series on the Holy Spirit that we did a couple of, uh, we've taken a few weeks off from that, but kind of pick up where that was, where that was headed, uh, if, if, if you know what I'm talking about. And so, um, it's been a few weeks just kind of having some, some baseline understandings of, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, uh, we have one God who is, uh, there's just one. And he has eternally existed in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. They're all equal to one another. And so the Holy Spirit, being fully God, his, his primary role is to, to manifest the presence and the power of God among creation. Uh, the God the Father kind of has his, his role and the Son has his role and the Spirit has his role. And sometimes they overlap. They're always cooperating and stuff, but they kind of do some unique things as well. And that's the, the main thing, not the only thing, but the main thing that the Holy Spirit does is to take the, the fact that God is everywhere and to make that more, like make that tangible, to make that manifest for us. And where the presence of God is, the power of God is. And so uh, as these miraculous things are happening in our lives, it's the Spirit's activity that he's always present and moving. The Spirit reminds us of that and makes that obvious. And um, the, not only does this happening among creation, but it's happening with, within the children of God, the sons, the daughters of God. So uh, it's happening all around us, but it's happening within us as well. We're filled always filled with the spirit of god and he is helping us that was jesus's term he says the helper is going to come and so the spirit is helping us to live the lives that we are created to live uh sin came in and messed everything up right and so jesus has has rescued us out of out of that and brought us into this new place and so the spirit is enabling us helping us to be who we were always meant to be and not only, not only are we being changed, but through that, God is announcing his presence to the world. And so all that's, all that's happening. The Spirit is doing that. And, and this is exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. If you, if you remember the, the timeline, he, he was with his disciples b- before uh, he went to the cross on that last night. And he's like, I'm going to go, but the helper is going to come. And he's going to help you. Everything I just said, he's going to help you do all that. And you're going to do even greater things than I. And they're like, what are you talking about? You know, he dies, he's resurrected. He is with them a little bit longer and then he ascends. And they're like, what is it? What does this even mean? And then the spirit comes and fills them. And they're like, oh, this is, this is what that means. And they're, they're huddled up there in Jerusalem and they're filled with the spirit. They've crossed from death into life and all these incredible things are happening and people are like, I want what you have. I want it. I want it. They're seeing the manifest presence of God and saying, I don't want anything else. I just, that's what I want. And the church is growing and then persecution breaks out against them and they all sort of scatter everywhere. And what does that do? That takes the gospel from Jerusalem and just blows it out all over the map. Right. And so they're, they're out and they've all gone to their hometowns and, are trying to like learn to live this life, and the church is just is spreading and is born. In Corinth, uh, Corinth had a lot of problems as a as a city. The church there had a lot of problems as a church, and what was happening is in Corinth there there was this there's a lot of worship of idols, and that idol worship 
carried with it uh, different kinds of prayers and forms of worship that were maybe not normal languages. And so uh, as, as that is happening in the town, then you have these Christians who come in and they're filled with the Spirit and they're, they're praising God in other languages or they're praying in other languages and, and things get really blurry for them because you, you, you're like, well, I thought that's what the worshipers did. I didn't think that we were the ones who, uh, who prayed in languages that you don't know or that, and there's some confusion there. And then here's this unified group that suddenly becomes very divided over this issue because that's what Satan does, right? Like he loves. So let, let me let me find unity and then let me like mess with it. That's what he does. And so they had kind of turned on one another and there's different factions that were there and they were just very confused. Everything was very new to them. And so they're like, here's God doing these incredible things, these miraculous things, thing. But it's hard to tell what's God versus what is like the idol worshipers that are out there. What are we supposed to do? And so Paul says, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you exactly, exactly what to do here. Um, that's what we're going to study in the next couple of weeks. Is him trying to help them understand. Uh, the, they want to understand speaking in tongues and prophecy. Those are their two big ones that were like, we don't know what to do with this. He's like, but if you don't, before you can understand that, you have to understand some other stuff. And so let's start at the top of chapter 12, and let's see exactly what we're dealing with here. So it starts in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So he he starts off like addressing the fact that I, I know this like uh, prophecy speaking in tongues thing is confusing to you. And you need to know that there there is a way to know what's going on. And as much as you want to talk about it, we got to talk about some other stuff first. So if you are sitting there and you're like, yes, please, let's talk about speaking in tongues. We will do that in a few weeks because Paul took his sweet time getting there and so are we. Because that is like a very, it's very important that you can't really talk about that stuff unless you know some deeper things first. And so, verse 4 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Okay? So, he gives three examples. He's like, there's there's variety and there's unity. There's variety in your gifts. There's a variety in your your service, which is how those gifts actually get implemented. And there's a variety of uh, of in your in your activities of like the the things that you are doing. There's going to be a variance among the people of God uh, in the church and in the kingdom. That's what's going to happen. They were real hung up on. Uh, like speaking in tongues as a like verifying thing. And there were, there was a group that was saying, everyone should be able to do this. And if you're not, then you're not from the Lord. And then another group was saying, no, that's not really how it works. That's actually what the pagans do. And so they were, they were fighting one another. The Christians were fighting one another and the pagans are over here being like, I don't know what y'all are. Y'all are crazy as we are, you know, kind of thing. So it was just like this really kind of messed up situation. And, and so he's saying one of the main things you need to understand is that you are not all the same. And that's, beautiful there's a variety of those things a, a whole variety of gifts among you you're 
You're not all the same purpose. That's not that's not just like a like a detail that God just kind of had to like live. With. No, he he did it this way intentionally that you're all going to be different. And so there's variance among you, but there's this one unifying thing is it's it's the same God that's empowering all of all of those gifts and all of those activities and all of those uh, acts of service. And so within a congregation, and whether you're talking about Corinth or you're talking about us or anywhere around the world, there's a there's a variety of things that people bring to the table as far as spiritual gifts go, but we need to know that the source of all of them is the same. And so you have unity and you have uh, diversity at the same time. They were trying, they were like really trying to like like force everything into one box. And God says, no, that's not how I did it. Very important that you understand that. And so this tells us that we are different and we are the same. We bring something different to the table, but the source of it, of this, all those things is the same. And it's a pretty beautiful picture that God has created. And so in verse 7, he gives like a one-sentence definition of what spiritual gifts are. And if you've been around for a while, you should know this verse. We've looked at this verse a lot over the years. This to each is verse seven. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So a little bit at a time. Starts off to to each is given. Here's here's where this and this is not just in this one verse do we find this. Paul talks about it. Peter talks about it. Um, that when you if you have done this or you will do this. When you recognize the beauty of Jesus, you recognize your own sin and um, neediness, your own brokenness. You you recognize that he he is beautiful and pure and holy, and I am not. And you realize that he is offering, he's holding out to you. He's like, hey, you you can be this way too. Not not to make you equal with God, but He's a, I can forgive your sin. I can make you whole. I can restore you. I can make you who you were created to be in the first place. And in faith, you say yes to that. And in bringing you from a place of being dead to being alive, that happens because He fills you with the Spirit of God. So every person is filled to each is given this gift of being alive in Christ. Sometimes when we talk about spiritual gifts, it, it, it ends up sounding like, hey, we need, we need more worker bees, so we need to do some spiritual gift stuff so people can figure out where they can plug in to the church because the church is like a volunteer-driven kind of thing. Church is not a volunteer-driven kind of thing. It, it feels that way sometimes, in, in, maybe in how it's communicated or, or whatever. Spiritual gifts is not about helping you find out where you can like get to work. Your spiritual gift is, finding out, is figuring out how did God uniquely and perfectly and beautifully make me? It's about figuring out who, who I am, that God is in this great, beautiful, perfect design has created me uniquely. And so to, to each is given 
not not just uh, well the leaders are the gifted ones. People on the stage are the gifted ones. People with titles are the gifted ones. The people who write books or preach at conferences or uh, have successful podcasts or you know social media influencers or however however you want to think of it in our own terms like. It's not that those people are gifted and everyone else is just like just being a recipient of how those super gifted people are gifted. You're not just the beneficiary of that. It's saying that every person in Christ has something to offer because every person is equally saved by the blood and equally filled with the Spirit. And while there may be some gifts that that are, that get more visible attention, it does not create a hierarchy. It doesn't create a some are and some are not. It's not a varsity JV situation. So, but our our enemy is trying to make us think that and feel that. Our enemy is trying to make us compare ourselves to other people and just whispering to us and feeding like fanning into flame the the like insecurity that every single one of us already carries. That's what he loves to do. He's, I hate to say it, but he's good at it. I mean, he's doomed for destruction, ultimately, but he's good at that part of it. He's good at lying. And so Paul is saying there's this variety among you. Every single one of you has been given a gift. Not a gift singular, it's the manifestation of the Spirit. Like that is a gift that God has given to you. So what does that mean? Well, that word manifestation comes from a Greek word um, that I can't pronounce. I meant to look at it in between the services because I told the first service, same thing, and I didn't do it. I'll tell you what it means, though. It means announcement. It means an open statement. And it is the embodiment and expression of an abstract idea. The embodiment and expression of an abstract idea. And I was trying to think, like, what's a good example of that? And uh, let's let's say that you were you were talking with someone, and you and you said like, oh, like you're eating something. And you said, oh, this is, man, it's so salty. And they're like, what are you what are you talking about? What's what's that mean? Like, yeah, like salt, salty, like as salty. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Describe what you're talking about. You're like, uh, I maybe you're better at. It. I couldn't describe salty to you. It just it's salty. That's that's the description, right? So that's like this intangible, abstract idea that you're like, how can I help you understand what salty is? Well, you would get some salt and like give it, have them taste the salt. You're like that. You know how your face did that thing? That. That's salty. So salt is the embodiment of this abstract idea of, of what it means to be salty. So those little those little grains that we have is taking this abstract idea and making it tangible, like you can put it in your hand. So the man of the spirit, the the announcement, the proclamation of of the presence and activity of God. Hey, God is is big and kind of hard to understand. He's everywhere, and there's just there's there's a lot going on. Um, let's let's make it tangible. That's what Jesus did, right? Like Jesus took this abstract idea and was like, I'm gonna uh, 
take this, be this idea and I'm going to take on flesh and become a human. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's the, the salt that's helping us under, take this big idea of God and then make it tangible. Flesh and blood person in front of us. That one day we'll get to see face to face. But now we get to, we get to read his words and study his stories and, and like in his teaching and like be transformed by what he has done. And, and so that's the thing that's happening is this, this abstract idea is made, being made tangible and real. And Jesus knew it. That's why he said, look, I'm, I'm going to go, but it's to your advantage that I go because the helper is going to come. And in a roundabout way, he's saying, what I have done in making manifest the presence and the power of God, now I'm going to give you that gift. That is the gift. That is, hey, here's, here's this opportunity for you. Here's this privilege for you. Here's what it means to be a son, to be a daughter, um, to each is given that, each of us, without exception. Everyone in Christ is a new creation, and that's a part of what this means. Is this hard to understand, sometimes kind of abstract kind of thing is going to take on flesh. I'm not saying that we're equal with Jesus. I'm not saying that we, are, we become God or anything along those lines. But God has chosen and wired us and created us to just naturally show what God is like. That's the thing about spiritual gifts that's so amazing to me. Is it, It's not like a task that you have to work toward. It's not, a, uh, it's not an assignment that you were given and uh, you've got to f- figure out how to do it. You know? No, it's, it's you just being you. Like in your most natural way, you take parts of God's character, the image that you were made in, and you make it, you make it tangible for someone. God is kind, you're kind. God is generous, you're generous. Like, those kinds of things. And there are lists of spiritual gifts, and we'll talk about those. There'll be time for all that kind of stuff. But, but for today, I, I think it's just about us kind of being in awe of the fact that we get to do this. That as his daughter, as his son, that's a, a part of what we walk in is this reality. That when you, when you cross from death into life and he filled you with his spirit, he said, here's, here's a gift for you. You're going to take the presence and the power of God and you're going to make it real for people. It's amazing. But that's not the end of the verse. Is, to each is given manifestation of the spirit. Why? For the common good. What does that mean? Well, here's here's explain a few other places. In Romans 1, 11 and 12, he's, he's writing to this church. He says, I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. He wants, it's about strengthening other people. It's, it's not about getting jobs done, accomplishing tasks, those kind of things. It's like, no, you need to walk away stronger because the presence of God just showed up in that interaction that we just had. Not because you were trying really hard, you were just being yourself. You ever had those interactions with someone where you're like, man, that was just a super normal thing, but I'm walking away like encouraged or challenged, edified in some, in some sort of way, reminded of something significant. You just walk away just feeling like blessed. 
It's because the the like the God of the universe just made himself known in your presence through that person just being them. Not trying to be manipulative, not trying hard to let me let me minister to you, let me care for you. It's like, no, just live my live my life. That's what he is saying. I long to impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Mutually encouraged. And so what that also tells us is that um, if, if, I, uh, if I'm interacting with you and I'm being me and you're being you, uh, then our gifts are mutually encouraging to one another. Or if I'm being me and you're just receiving what I have, like what I'm like, that manifestation, you're just receiving it. You walk away stronger, but how, do I walk away less strong? No. We're mutually encouraged here. And I bet you've experienced it. I bet there has been there there have been those times and maybe more and more and more and more the longer you walk with the Lord. Where you're just being you and you're doing what comes naturally to you and it's energizing to you somehow. It just there's just something about being who you were meant to be. That's why, that's where all this stuff comes in. In First Thessalonians three they were having some problems, and so Paul says this. We sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in the faith, so that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. They're like, oh, they're having some problems. Who, Whose natural manifestation of the presence and power of God would, would most be a blessing to this church? Timothy. Let's send him. You know who they need? They need Timothy to walk in the door and sit down with them. That's that's strategic right there because that's the mutual encouragement. Aren't there times when you're going through something and you're like, you know who I need to talk to? And there's like that person that's like, you know why you're drawn to them? Because that's how their gifts naturally manifest to you. You just you're, you you know. That's because that's what the body was created to do. First Peter four. He says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So spiritual gifts are not uh, like like being gifted in, in a way that just the, the natural ways that the character and the power and the presence of God shows up in your life. All of those things are for the common good, which you are a part of. Think of it that way. The, the mutual encouragement of each other's faith. It's, it's for the whole congregation, including yourself. You're not excluded from, your, from being strengthened by your own gift. You're a part of it because when one part is strengthened, the whole body is strengthened. And so at the end of all that, I think a very important thing to walk away with today is that you, you are a gift. You're a gift to this church. Your gift to this city, your gift to this planet. That God has looked at you and in saving you has said, I have, a, have this beautiful plan for you to bring my power and my presence in all these people's lives as you just live your life being you. And next week we'll get more, more into the, the church side of it, but for today, not in a self-centered way, but can we just be blessed by the fact that 
God created us on purpose with all this in mind, you know? That he has no regrets with you. That he has no, like, oh, I kind of botched that one, you know, going on. That, that when he looks at you, he's, this is the you that he sees. That can we, in a very humble but confident way, be able to say, I am gifted. I have something, I have something to offer I have just something to offer my neighbor. I have something to offer my coworkers. I have something to offer my spouse, my kids, my community group, my church, this community. Like I, I matter here because God says that I do. He's the author of it. He's the creator of it. And so you're a gift here. You were created this way on purpose and and you have everything that we need. We just need you to be you. It's been one of my favorite things about being a church planter and starting starting a church and then like through the merger just to watch people figure themselves out and start to come alive when they're really firing on the cylinders that God created them to fire on. It's just it's beautiful. And so you are perfectly made. Our church is strategically put together that we have we have the gifts that we need. And every time people join the congregation, they're just it's not because we had a vacancy. They're just adding to the fullness that's already there. And when people leave and move other places or go to other churches, they're going into a place that like where they are needed as well. And so God just has this beautiful way of seeing things through that perspective. So you're strategically made, our church is strategically made, the capital C church globally, strategically made with all this in mind. For the common good, this is for you, this is for us, this is for those who don't know Jesus yet. It's, it, it goes all the way out. So when Jesus stood before the, the disciples and he gave the great commission before his ascension, he didn't go into all the details because I kind of think they were overwhelmed. And he's like, "Let me tell you what. You, let me tell you like the 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 overarching statement here." And now they're getting into it. They're like, "Okay, this is what he meant." And so that's a part of what's so beautiful about how he has put us all together. Look at verse eight as I close. He kind of. It explains all that in an even different way. So he said, remember, you're all different, but the source is the same. Each one of you has been given this manifestation of the Spirit, and it's for everyone's good. Verse 8, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to that same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. See, they were so caught up in like speaking in tongues 
that they were missing this incredible thing that God was doing among them, of bringing this unity and embracing their diversity, not trying to make them all the same, but saying you can all be different and be the same. And in this city that was so full of all kinds of craziness, there's this there's this beauty and this holiness and this oneness that is growing, that God is doing this incredible thing. Don't get distracted by competing with each other. Don't get distracted by trying to like label this and, and exalt this person and create these hierarchies and all these kinds of things. Don't, don't miss out on what God is doing. And we love stories like this. We love... We love this kind of thing. It's, it's something that we see quite often. And you think about even simple things like Ocean's Eleven, right? Danny Ocean builds this master team, and he pulls in the, this person and this person and this person. They're all good at different things, and they all have to work together and all that kind of stuff. Like We, we love that kind of stuff, the Avengers and uh, the A-Team, right? <laughs> Same kinds of thing. Like This is not like a new thing of like, man, look at this variety, but yet look at this oneness at the same time. But to think on it on a much more important level than the A-team, here's God assembling, like grouping these churches together by all these gifts and saying, let's, like, let's do this in this way. Let's make the presence of God manifest through all these varieties that strengthens everybody. Everybody that's connected gets stronger. It's an incredible thing. And so I, I want to leave you with this. When you think about yourself, do you think about yourself the way that God sees you? Do you see yourself as a son or a daughter? Do you see yourself um, as being like your identity is found in what God says about you? Or is the first thing you think of your deficiencies? See, we, sin has brought us into this place where made us all very insecure. That's why those divisions and comparison and those kind of things work. It's just such an effective thing because we all kind of like, we all kind of have that insecure thing about us. And division and those kind of things, it just confirms it. And even if you feel like the division is creating a hierarchy and you're on the higher end of the hierarchy, you're just still insecure. You just happen to be on the higher end of this man-made construct thing. Could we get to a point, can he lead us to a point where when we think about ourselves, our shortcomings and deficiencies are not the first thing that we think about. That we can think of ourselves as a child, like a a part of the household of God, um, as like God says this about me, therefore that's what I am. Like I'm not a sinner anymore, I'm a saint. And even if I'm not acting, saint doesn't mean i'm not a saint it means i'm acting in a way that's contrary to who i really am can we see ourselves as those who've been given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good that we can walk with that humble confidence of saying i have i have something to offer here and it's not just my talents and the things i'm good at or things i'm willing to do or the things i'm I'm able to do or have the time to do or have the money to do. It's, it's not about that stuff. Those are in, that's a different conversation. It's saying, I bring something to the table. I bring the, a manifestation of the character and the presence of God that has strengthened your belief that Jesus is who he says he is.
I have something to offer. Because Jesus says, you have something to offer. It'd be very easy for this whole thing to end up being self-centered, you know, like, be like, oh, like it's a, it's a self-help kind of sermon. Like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm feeling better about myself now, okay. That's, that's not the goal. I mean, I hope you do feel good about yourself, but it's because the author of your life has chosen to give you this life, to make this your reality. Classic human uh, error is to focus on the gift and not the giver. Focus on the creation and not the creator. We've been getting that wrong for a long time. And so all of this talk of spiritual gifts, while, while it does have like a, like a, a horizontal and even an internal kind of application, the beauty of this is in the vertical. It's that the God of the universe says, I'm going to make you just like I want you to be. And I've never regretted it for a second. And I'm going to use you in, like use you in a, beautiful way to strengthen others and for you to be strengthened and that's how the gospel is going to get to the nations and so I hope that this is an encouragement to you but that you feel like humility humility is the weightiness that's there that you hold your head up as a son or as daughter but it's I mean I cannot believe that he did this for me now we're going to we're going to do what we normally do and uh, we're going to sing a little bit, but there's always that option to just pray. You know, you can respond however you want to respond. And if if you have never really like been secure about where you are in that whole relationship to God thing, then I would encourage you to spend this time talking to Him about it, and not to leave the building without talking to me about it. Or I don't have to be the only one, but talk to somebody. But these songs we're going to sing, they have the potential to be very self-centered. Instead of recognizing that this is all really coming from the beautiful God of the universe. So I would encourage you as we sing them. One's new, one you, you will know. Um, but for both of them to, to not get so hung up in the you focus part of it that we're missing out on. Like God has done this for us. What, what, who, who would do that? Um, so let's stand together as our musicians come back. God, I'm so grateful. I thought this in the first service, and I think the same thing now. As I, I can just look around the room, and I can, I can recall times. When I was the, when I walked away stronger because of interaction with these fellow brothers and sisters of mine, because you showed up in our conversations or you showed up in a hug or in an email or in a verse that was sent by text or so many different ways that your spirit manifests. And I would hope that we could look around the room and just recall those times. What kind of God would do that? You know, only a God that's full of love and compassion and grace would look at us as, in terms of uh, like we're those rebellious kids and say, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change you. I'm gonna die for you, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead you down a path. It's gonna change your life." 
and you group us together, that we could be mutually encouraged and strengthened, that we don't have to go through this by ourselves. Just a beautiful thing that you have done. And so, Father, as we sing or pray or whatever our responses are during this time, may we, may we have that humble confidence, knowing that you have done this, and because you have said it, it is so. So may we be teachable and humble in receiving that uh, word of truth from you this morning. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen.